0: Remember, we're working on this book called Love and Law, and I would like to announce we've switched from law to love today. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I did kind of time that for when you all came back from the women's retreat. Uh, And so in honor of starting off with love, I have a love survey. I'd like to read you um, the answers to the question, what is love?, as answered by four- to eight-year-olds. All right. So love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on cologne and they go out and smell each other. (laughs) Love... Love is when my mommy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure it's okay. Love love is if you hold hands and sit beside each other in the cafeteria. That means you're in love. Otherwise, you can sit across from each other. (laughs) These really do sound like kids, I swear. I know my older sister loves me because she gives me all of her clothes, and then she has to go out and buy new ones. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously on the younger side of that, that age range there. All right. And and this one, I swear, someone's been watching too many Warner Brothers cartoons. When you love somebody, your eyelashes go up and down and little stars come out of you. (laughs) (laughs) And then finally, my favorite one. Love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt and he wears it every day. (laughs) Isn't that sweet? (laughs) All right. So we've we've switched over to love from law, but what exactly does that mean? You know, in reading the book Love and Law, what I thought was so interesting was... In every chapter, there are some elements of love and there are some elements of those spiritual principles that that we call laws because they work for everybody, that God is here uh, as though a, a master engineer working for all of us. And so there are these dual elements of both spiritual principle but also that unique and powerful love that simply is God. And, you know, I was looking for other examples of this And I found one that's a a little over 2,000 years old that I think says it all for me. This is from Matthew 22. Master, which is the great commandment in law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Of these two commandments hang all the law. What I think is sort of interesting, he basically said, you know, Moses, those ten commandments were interesting and all, (laughs) but you really only need love, love of God and love of your neighbor, love of your fellow human beings. And that's all that's required. And if you think about it, isn't that true? Isn't that amazingly true? You know, all of the the human laws that we can come up with, are they even needed if we follow those two laws? If we truly, in our hearts, always had the other woman, the other fellow in mind, if in our hearts we were always expressing God's love, probably... Probably well, I don't know, maybe we'd need a traffic law or two. It might be difficult when four four cars come to an intersection, we all get out of the car, no you first. No you first. (laughs) I mean it might you know, there might be areas where a law or two might be handy, but we certainly would not have to deal with laws that are based to protect each other from each other. Now, what I also thought was interesting in doing a little research here, you know, the Christians and and, and the the teachings of Jesus are by no means the the be-all and the end-all of this so-called golden rule. The Baha'i faith says, And if thine eyes be turned towards justice, choose thou for thy neighbor, which thou choosest for thyself. The Brahmins would say, This is the sum of dharma or duty. Do not unto others, which would cause you pain. The Buddhists would say, A state that is not pleasing or delightful to me? How could I inflict that upon another? The Confucianists would say, Try your best to treat others as you would wish to be treated yourself, and you will find that this is the shortest way to heaven. Even the ancient uh, Egyptians. Now, I had to do some explaining during the first service. Yes, we can actually read hieroglyphs now as though they were like out of a book. Okay, someone came up to me afterwards and said, what do you mean the ancient Egyptians? Wasn't that all in, in hieroglyphs? Are you sure we can read those? But yeah, we can. And the ancient Egyptians said, do for one who may do for you that you may cause him thus to do. So a little on the convoluted side, but the same sentiment. Hinduism, this is the sum of duty. Do not do to others which would cause pain if done to you. One of my favorites is this one from the Islamic tradition. None of you is a true believer until you wish for your brother what you wish for yourself. And finally, in Judaism from Leviticus, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So really, you know, this is one of those universal set of truths. And I just picked, you know, like ten of them. There were literally for every great religion in the world. There is this idea of the golden rule. There is this idea that love isn't just for yourself. It isn't just for those very few people that you hold close to you, to your family. It is for everyone. Now, from a religious, st- st- religious science standpoint, I think this is interesting because I've also heard this golden rule kind of said in a slightly different way. And in Foundations class and some of the other classes, we t- talk about it as uh, not love, but again, as law, as the law of reciprocity. And sometimes we actually kind of degrade this lovely sentiment by simply saying, what goes around comes around, right? Right? And so the other interesting thing about this is not only is it a sweet sentiment, but it's also self-preservatory. What's the word I'm searching for? Oh, okay, that was it. All right. The idea is if we're out there spreading around something that isn't good, if we're out there talking bad about our neighbors, if we're, if we're out there doing people harm, if we're out there creating an environment that's unpleasant for other people... What can we expect in the world? Yeah, absolutely. And so not only is love the answer in terms of doing the right thing, not only is love the answer in terms of doing the sweet thing, but love is the answer for our own selves as well. The more of the love we give away, the sweetest our own existence will be. The more love that we give out to others, sometimes even others that are a little hard to love, The more we do that, the more our own lives blossom and expand in those same areas of love. And so I think it's fair to say that when we treat ourselves well, we're treating God well. When we're treating our neighbors well, we're treating God well. And when we treat God well, we are treated so well. All right. So I'm fine with my friends and my family. I'm fine even with the people in this room. I think everyone here would agree that I don't have too much trouble in expressing love. I'm kind of one of those people that that loves to love. But what about the people that are a little hard to love? It's like I'll love my neighbors and the neighbor across the street I love and the neighbor right behind me with the chickens I love. But you know, there's that one house that's across and down on the end. With the the car that's been there for five years on cement blocks, (laughs) right? The one with the weeds in the yard and the, the loud parties at night. You know, they're a little hard to love. What about that? What about people that have done me wrong? What about people in their own way and for whatever reason that have caused misery in my own life? How am I to love them? Because surely that's as much in effect here. Surely that's as much the intention of the golden rule as the people that are close to us and sweet to us. Maybe Ernest Holmes can give us a little bit of help here. Here's what Ernest Holmes says about this. Suppose two individuals say, a condition arose which separates us. Oh, no, I love that. Is that so sweet? Instead of a bitch fight, he's saying, (laughs) suppose two individuals say, a condition arose which separates us. (laughs) However, I say, that is impossible. There may arise a condition which these individuals believe has separated them but you must erase this from your mind a concept that does a, a concept that these two individuals are not one is impossible what you have got to do is to work yourself until you have mentally dissolved any idea of separation this sense of separation is an illusion it is a mistaken concept So then, declare that this word which I speak now dissolves any sense of separation which may be held in mind relative to these two individuals. Establish the recognition that there is only one mind in which they are immersed until in mind and consciousness there is no longer any error. And when they have done that, all is well. And so I put to you That no matter what the neighbor down the street looks like or acts like or or causes to happen, when we remove ourselves, when we have mental energy in separating ourselves from those people, we are separating ourselves from God. I don't know how to say it any plainer than that. Now, does it mean that we want to hang out with those people? Does it mean that we want to invite them into our home and and cultivate more interactions with them? Not necessarily. Now, I do like to think that there's an opening for change. What I have seen from from being here at this center for, gosh, about 10 years now is that people do change, and generally for the better, and often in the most amazing ways. And so I always hold an opening for whether they're the people down the block with the with the car up on blocks or whoever, I hold an opening for them that there will be change and that I could have them into my house not only as someone that I recognize as God but as a friend. I want to hold that opening for them. But what I also know is that there are safety issues, is that there are people in this world that may not have my best interest at heart. As much as I believe in this golden rule, as much as I practice it, what I recognize is it is okay to not like everyone. It is okay to not be friends with everyone. However, having said that, It is perfectly reasonable that we still recognize the God in them. It is still perfectly reasonable that we don't want to see separation here. We don't want to build up the neighborhood stories about how crazy those people are. We don't want to be dishing on Aunt Susan simply because at the last Christmas party she had a little too much to drink. Do you know what I mean? We want to stay in our own truth of being as close to God and as close to other people as we can. Because what I know is that other people are no different than we are. If there is one mind, if there is one power, if there is one greatness, if there is one love, if there is one life, then surely everyone in this room is part of it just as I am part of it just as even those people that we might not have such a fondness for are part of it and when I separate myself when I keep myself aloof when I begin to say bad things about other people when I begin to spread the gossip or uh, or even have just a place of hardness in my heart for people what I know is that that separates me from God It separates me from my good and ultimately the only person that suffers from this is me. The neighbors down the street probably enjoy having their car up on blocks, or certainly it doesn't bother them. So does me worrying about it have any effect on them? It totally doesn't. The only person, if there's unforgiveness in my heart, if there is a a grudge, if there's some unwillingness to recognize God and other people, the only one in almost every case that's affected by this is just right here. And it simply has that capability of shutting down my own ability to love. It simply has that ability of hardening my heart, even if it's only just a tiny bit. It creates in me something that I don't want to have in there. And so back to love. How do we go then about this idea of loving everybody? Again, not necessarily wanting to be best friends with them, not necessarily wanting to invite them over for dinner, but how do we go about recognizing the God in them, that namaste spirit, the God in me sees the God in you? How do we go about finding that in our everyday world? Well, I think the place, as Ernest said, is simply to recognize that there is an essential unity You might think of it as there but for the grace of God go I. You might think of it as, you know, I have no idea what has happened in this person's life that has brought them to this place. You might have compassion for what is obviously a bad situation that they found them in. Whatever it is that can move you into a place of awareness, of a closeness to them, is worth taking on. And I would even offer up a small spiritual practice that I'd like to try today. And you can think of this as a raising and praising prayer, if you like. And, uh, and so if you're game, uh, I'll, I'll read through it the first time, and then I'd like to have you repeat it. And we'll start with ourselves, because I think it's always easy to see the God, hopefully, in our own selves. And so I would say simply, I praise my life, I raise my life in the name of love. I praise my life. I raise my life in the name of love. And now let's do our family. I praise my family. I raise my family in the name of love. And now my neighbors. I praise my neighbors. I raise my neighbors. neighbors In the name of love. And now British Petroleum. I praise British Petroleum. I raise British Petroleum. In the name of love. Now you knew I was going to slip something in on you, didn't you? (laughs) So can we even find a place in our hearts to love what perhaps might be the unforgivable? Now, I don't want to, you know, we can debate offline about, you know, whether there's a fault here or if things should have been done further for safety measures. But what, what I do know, you know, our country here, especially along the Gulf Coast, is kind of in a crisis here. And it will be interesting to see the long-range effects of this oil spill. But I ask you, does it do any good... If we dig in our heels, if we harden our hearts and think of British Petroleum as a a ruthless, unforgiving, evil company that, you know, has worthless engineers and whose employees simply, you know, are are evil or or are careless beyond any measure, I don't think so. If we believe that as we think so it happens by those very thoughts are not we limiting their power to rectify this situation, right? If we're saying that they're ignorant and don't have good engineering skills, well, who's fixing this thing, right? If we say that their hearts are hard or or that they, that, they don't have the best interest in cleaning this up in hand, you know, who is working so closely with the government to try to fix this? So I suggest to you, even those people that might those people, those corporations, those business entities that might seem the hardest to love, let us do our best at uplifting the entire planet here. And I want to send you home with just a bit of homework if you're willing. Now it doesn't have to be British Petroleum, I promise, but I'd like you to take someone or some group that perhaps you're finding it a little hard to love. Now, this doesn't have to be maybe someone who has wronged you in a significant and, 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 and tragic way. I mean, let's, let's leave aside maybe a worse offender here. I, I want us just to stretch a bit this week, but please take someone that you find a little difficult to love, and either through using the praising prayer, through trying to put yourself in their shoes maybe through better understanding their own conditions, what I'd like you to do, just simply in your own heart, you don't actually have to do anything, extend extend the hand of love. In them, recognize that there too is part of God, even as you are part of God. So are we up for this? Are we willing to give it a try? All right, thanks. So let us pray. What I know is that there is one pl- there is one power, there is one presence. This thing that I call God, and it is moving through and as every person, every place, everything, every situation on this planet, God is present. God is in the Gulf. God is in this room. God is the children playing upstairs. All of this and so much more is God in form. And as this is true, in general, I know that it means me. I know that it means each person in this room. And I know that each person in this room is inseparable because we live in the body and the mind of God itself. And so for this week, I know there's a greater awareness of the reciprocity of life and the golden rule. I know that there's a greater awareness of meeting each person as a center of God. And I also know in my own heart and for each person here that there is a willingness to love everyone, even the really hard people. And I am simply grateful for this. Simply grateful to be here in the presence of God as it takes the form of of this majesty and beauty that is the Portland Center for Spiritual Living. I let it be, and so it is. So thank you very much. Thank you.